Welcome to the Life in the Red podcast presented by the Lincoln Journal Star, your source for Husker news, analysis, and more. From football in the fall to recruiting in the summer, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Bassnett, Parker Gabriel, and Stephen M. Sippel. Three, two, one. Welcome in, Life in the Red podcast. I'm Chris. This is Palmer. There's Parker. There's Sipple. It is 3.19 p.m. on Thursday, February 10th, 2022. You may or may not notice I'm wearing a giant white mask right now. Um, I didn't notice. It was yeah, that's it's odd. Barely I, until you said something, I, I hadn't noticed. Yeah, I, I, it's just one of those things you want to point out so it's not weird to people. But um, <laughs> 2022, it's life in 2022. Yeah. It's like when you got a piece of food stuck in your teeth. Uh, I had COVID last week, which is the reason I'm wearing the mask. I'm currently in my, I'm out of my five days of isolation, but still in my five extra days of wearing a mask around this little hellion uh, currently on my shoulder. So I'm going to have the mask on here while we're doing this. So bear The most me. astute of our observers, podcast observers, may have noticed that you were in a different part of yeah. your expansive home last week. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Palmer, what do you have to say about it? Look. There he Palmer. Is. You there can chime in if you need to. Yeah. Right of the people. Bullet two, yeah, honestly. Yeah, bullet two. Gus is around here somewhere. Uh, strangely. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's get yeah. into it, Palmer says. There you go. Um, we're gonna talk on we're gonna talk some football. We're gonna talk hoops. Nebraska, of course, beat Minnesota last night for the first big 10 win of the season. We'll talk a little baseball. Regular season starts a week from Friday. But let's start as we always do with football. Uh, ESPN's Bill Connolly. Uh, the, S, the SP Plus projections started coming out yesterday. So it's like it's kind of like Christmas morning for people such as Parker, yeah. like to peruse such things. And I haven't had a chance to look at them yet. I'm sure Parker has. I'll turn it over to you, Parker. What did you kind of glean from what you saw with Nebraska's SP Plus this year? Well, it's 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 sort of interesting. I mean, last year Nebraska finished 34th in the SP Plus, which is just one of like many analytical. Um, anomalies with Nebraska where like the computers thought they were good. And then their record obviously was horrible. Um, and actually Fred Hoiberg said it last night as post game. I thought it was sort of fitting it, nothing that, you know, if it doesn't end up on the left side of the, of the win loss column, it doesn't matter. And that's obviously the way it was for Nebraska's football program last year. But I thought there's a couple interesting things. One, um, Bill Conley, who does great work, obviously the SPN, uh, his algorithm has them pegged 37th. Um, at this early juncture um, nationally, that's like just about where they finished um, in the rankings last year. And then the part that I think is sort of interesting is the rankings very similar, despite the fact that they've got to replace a lot, which for people who follow the program closely isn't a surprise. But I thought it was interesting, simple looking at the returning production number that Bill Conley had 57% of Nebraska's production on each side of the ball. Uh, returns by his calculation, and that's 102nd, I think, in the country. So a lot of production uh, to replace in 2022 for Nebraska. Yeah, now here's the thing. When you look at the returning production for Nebraska, to me, I don't want to say it's uh, immaterial, but you're talking about a lot of new faces are going to get plugged in on that depth chart a lot, right? Yeah, right. And you're talking about 57% of the production – 43% 43% of the production to replace on each side of the ball from a team that was three and nine, you yeah. know? So it's yeah. sort of a, it's sort of an odd conversation because the computers thought that production was 
useful um, and that Nebraska was a decent team, uh, but obviously like win loss wise. They yeah. See, that's it, it, these conversations are inherently odd. I mean, we say loss production from a, a three and nine team, but a loss production from a team that was ranked 37th or ranked 34. Right. Yeah. So I don't know what I was getting at is you're going to have a lot of new production that they're counting on clearly. I mean, that's the transfer portal has affected these sort of sorts of conversations greatly um, depending on the team. But Nebraska is an example of a team that's profoundly affected because you could have literally, well, let's, you go through it. Pro, I think you're going to have two new receivers for sure. Three new receivers in the rotation, if not starting. Right. Yeah. You know, yep. Trey Palmer, Isaiah Garcia, Castaneda. Um, they're really, they really like Janarian Bonner. Yep. Um, those, those three, you know, Victor Jones is going to be here in the spring. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Bonner doesn't is. get here until, until, Spring. Oh, he doesn't get here. Victor Jones yeah. is here in the spring. Victor Jones um, is here now. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at running back, you'd almost, I mean, I, I know within the program, the, the conversation could be, yeah, you might want to put Ramir Johnson, the returner number one, but it'd be a, maybe a one, one a with Anthony Grant, right. Who, who the junior college transfer. And of course we didn't mention the quarterback, the fact they have a new quarterback. So yeah, the production is going to come from a lot of new faces this year. That's, that's, in Nebraska's case, the portal has a profound influence on this. Yeah, and one of the things I don't know for sure is how they, how production is calculated in terms of the offensive line. Like, Nebraska has to replace uh, two starters on the offensive line, Matt Sickerman, the right guard, and, and Cam Jurgens, obviously the center. Jurgens was far and away the most productive player of that group in 2021, 20, uh, but there's also a ton of players – Back. There's a, they have a lot of playing experience. They don't have a lot of consistent high-level experience. Uh, inconsistency sort of, you know, pockmarked that group overall last year. So that's one thing to consider. And then, yeah, like you say, the other is just, you know, when you're, when you're talking about replacing 43% of your production on offense, I mean, the, the vast majority of that is Adrian Martinez, Samari Ture, and, and uh, Austin App. So you know, 898 receiving yards from Samari Ture, 602 from, from Austin Allen. And then, and then obviously, you know, Adrian Martinez starting uh, 10 games. So it's, um, or 11 games. So yeah, it's, um, it's very interesting. And then defensively, the production that you're replacing is a little bit more balanced. Obviously a lot of it's Jojo Doman and Cam Taylor Britt, but you know, you've got four defensive linemen that played snaps to varying degrees, obviously um, Damian Daniels and, uh, ben Stilley played more and then DeAndre Thomas and then Jordan Riley, um, you know, a couple other guys that have left too. So um, it's a little bit more spread around what you're trying to produce, the, the production you're trying to replace on defense. Obviously, um, Markel Dismuke and Deontay Williams are central in that conversation too. Um, it's just, it's, I wrote this this week, like it just, it, it is what it is. They're just interesting numbers. They don't, they don't determine whether Nebraska is going to win or lose games this fall, but it, it does make for sort of an interesting picture. Yeah, this is the time of the year to talk about it. Um, and so as far as what Nebraska is doing right now, just in the midst of winter conditioning. I mean, yeah. But spring midst. ball will be yeah in the 
Kind of like man. us, just in the midst. <laughs> the midst. And then, and the then spring ball for people. In the midst. Here, here's a question. See, this is the kind of things that a podcast, the blanks can, a podcast can fill in in the old man's head. Spring ball begins February 28th. When is that spring game again? April 9th. April 9th. Okay. Early. That's early. Yeah. Well, we got to, they're going to, I don't, this isn't the entire reason why they're doing it. There's a couple reasons why um, spring ball is a little bit earlier this year. Um, and they are one practical consideration is that right after the spring game, they're tearing out the turf and installing new turf, which takes some time. And I think the, I, I think, I don't know this 100%, but I think the idea is that that's going to be done by the time graduation happens um, yeah. in, in May. And then the other part of it, um, is that I, I believe the evaluation period, which is a critical point on the calendar in terms of recruiting, uh, and there hasn't been one since 2019, there's, there's normally, you know, before COVID, there was five or six weeks of evaluation that happened uh, in the spring or a month uh, that happens in the spring. And there have been times when Nebraska spring ball has been a little later where coaches actually haven't been able to go out on the road right at the beginning of that evaluation period because spring ball is still happening. So this year, uh, that evaluation period begins April 15th, spring games April 9th, get a couple of days when spring ball ends, and then the coaches will go out on the road for that entire evaluation period for, from, mid, uh, from mid-April uh, into May. So that's, that's the, other, the other consideration was they wanted to be able to maximize their time on the road, so they had to be done by April 15th. Shouldn't we note that schedule change, too? That oh, yeah. We will- that we'll be headed to Nebraska. We'll be headed to Piscataway, New Jersey on October 7th for, for, yeah, for a Friday night game. Um, I've stopped Friday. me. When I, I am having oh, more Friday senior night banger in Piscataway. That's yeah, right. yeah I, I am having senior moments. I've been calling it East Piscataway for some reason. I think it's just Piscataway. Well, it's, <laughs> e- it's East of here, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of East Piscataway. Where is it? Are you thinking of East Rutherford? Yes, that's the that's the hang up. Gonna yeah. cover the game in the Meadowlands. <laughs> Maybe talk to Bill Parcells while you're out there. <laughs> catch Bruce, catch Bruce at MetLife, and then head down to Piscataway. <laughs> Just go look for Jimmy Hoffa at the fifty. Um, <laughs> I think that I think if you want to make it even more confusing, campus itself. I think that that campus is is in New Brunswick, and then Brunswick. New Brunswick, yeah. I don't know where old Brunswick is. And not not old Brunswick. Brunswick or East Brunswick. Yeah. <laughs> Look it up. Right, yeah, but anyway, so so Nebraska will have a game against – this will be Nebraska's first away game of the year on October 7th, which is notable. It'll follow a home game against Indiana. And then next the week after that, Nebraska will play at Purdue. After the Rutgers game, they'll play at Purdue. So it's kind of a, it's a, sort of a sneaky little tough spot in the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Especially consider, consider what the mental state will be like among the traveling media corps after doing Rutgers and Purdue back to back on the road. Jesus. Yeah. I was thinking about a podcast. I was thinking about a podcast series simple where we go through and we just, we just regale people who probably wouldn't be interested at all about what it was like to travel in the fall of 2020 during COVID. This is what I thought of when that, when that change got announced the other night or the other day, because 
that trip to Rutgers in December of 2020 was so bizarre. <laughs> it was. I don't know where to start with that, except this. I think Nebraska got home from the game and just said, hell with it. We're done. Yeah, we're not playing anymore. <laughs> and really, you can't blame them after that. After they got home from 4 a.m. from from Rutgers. The, from they kept Stanford. the doors open. There was nobody there, and it was cold as hell. Like, it was cold as hell that night in New Jersey. They kept the doors open, Baz, the press box to try to walk. In the press box. Yeah, to keep the airflow going. But you, like, couldn't feel your fingers, basically. It's a tiny press box. They didn't have any food. So to get dinner, what you did was you like went down these like iron stairs to a concourse uh-huh. that was unlit. They you literally they, like they hosed them down before the game, so they yeah, be nice pretty much yeah. Serious. And then you like knocked on this door, and like <laughs> you know like Vinny or whoever like handed you a Jersey Mike sub through the door. yeah. That was Vinny, it. Who just got done cutting off somebody's fingers for not paying off a mob debt, and then you had Jersey Mike's. Oh, it was a bizarre. Yeah, it was a rough one. It was a rough one. Yeah, going to Piscataway and then going to West Lafayette is a little like going to your wife and saying, honey, we saved a bunch of money, so we're going to Cleveland for vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to Cleveland. Um, (laughs) Or maybe Milwaukee would be nice this time of year. Hey, don't disparage Milwaukee, okay? I'm, it's yeah, easy, easy with the Milwaukee slander. <laughs> it's about uh, so anyway, October 7th, Friday night game. Friday the night. Day after my birthday. Happy birthday to me. I'll be in my basement watching that game while you guys are in Piscataway. You'll be in your. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Journal Star is going to fly me to New Jersey to cover Nebraska Rutgers on a Friday night. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> so you'll be working on your birthday. <laughs> This just gets, keeps getting happier. This conversation just keeps getting happier. Well, there was one year we had a Wisconsin game on my birthday up there, and we walked out of Camp Randall at like 2 a.m. <laughs> Didn't we, Paul? All right. Yeah, you know. It was crap. What else What else to cover football-wise? I think it's it, – for people – I hope people understand it's a little – this is a this is about as, as slow a time as there is on the calendar. Yeah. It's a little three or four-week – three or four-week stretch after it's signed. It's interesting. So Rutgers has this is one thing we could talk about just for a minute. Sort of, I wrote about this uh, earlier this week. Rutgers has a new defensive coordinator. I believe it's Joe Harisniak, who is at Minnesota, who's a, uh, at Minnesota as a defensive assistant coach before. And simple. I, I I don't know how I I don't know what got me to thinking about this yesterday or a couple of days ago, but the every, out of the eleven. FBS teams that Nebraska plays this fall, nine of them have at least one new coordinator, you know, so far this offseason. And I, you have to imagine, I don't know about coordinators, but you have to imagine that assistant coaching carousel isn't totally dead yet, especially with NFL teams, you know, still filling out um, their staffs and all of that. And I just found it interesting that, you know, it's like, it's, it's been a huge offseason of change, sort of like we were talking about earlier with the offense and Nebraska's got a new offensive coordinator in Mark Whipple. But they're just like, they're certainly not the only ones. I mean, there's four teams out of 11 FBS teams on Nebraska's schedule that have an entirely new set of coordinators. Georgia Southern, which has a new head coach, Clay Helton, and two new coordinators. Oklahoma also has a new head coach, Brent Venables, two new coordinators. And then both uh, Indiana and Michigan uh, have new, completely new sets of coordinators too. And then the the only two on the schedule, this will shock you, the only two on the schedule that haven't 
changed the coordinator so far this year are Northwestern uh, and Iowa. It's, I mean, it's heartening. I think if you're a Nebraska fan, because in that conversation, it puts you on even ground against team against teams that if they were, you know, if they returned our head coach and two coordinators have probably a little advantage, have an advantage yeah. on you. I'm not going to say a little advantage. Eh? That's an advantage. Um, so that's, that, that's really an interesting stat that nine of nine of the teams Nebraska will play have changed at least one coordinator. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, some of it's like Oklahoma, it's amazing. I, I wrote about this when Casey Thompson committed to Nebraska, I think, but man, that, you know, the Oklahoma game is just going to look so much different than it did last year. Same two teams, 364 days apart or whatever. Um, and you've got, you know, three of the four coordinators will have changed. Both starting quarterbacks will have changed. The offensive play caller on both sides will have changed. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot different, um, but it's going to be interesting. A lot of and personnel. Yeah, a lot of personnel yeah. will have changed. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to go too far down this road and it's, I don't, I, and I think if there's a danger in overstating something like this, but you're going to see that more in college football. Yeah. Personnel, personnel is going to change from year to year more. Um, it, not at Iowa, which, which got, has gotten no players from the portal, but that's the only big 10 team who hasn't, who hasn't delved into the portal. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, Nebraska, I'm looking forward to that opener because it's going to look a lot different. I mean, come in, it's going to, it's, it's going to be incredible to see it. Really, It's amazing. Iowa, no coordinator changes, no players in the portal at all. They're just rolling along. The only thing, uh, only major development thought this off season was a extension for Kirk Ferentz through 2029. Yeah. Which is a major, that's a major, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, if you think about it, the guy's, Guy's locked in until he's 74, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, yeah, you know, but if you, you know, if Nebraska had gotten to the Big Ten championship game, there wouldn't have, how many changes would there have been? Yeah, no, right. Yeah. Probably a lot fewer. Yeah. So, um, well, you're locked in until you're 74, aren't you? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any hobbies, so I got to find something. I mean, it could involve some other stuff form of work i suppose but uh, i'm locked in 2029 2029 you know you'll be just hitting your prime by that point hitting my prime right yeah Yeah. you'll be you'll be so virile it won't even be funny in 2029 (laughs) you'll have two radio shows by then yeah it'll it'll be a concerning level of virility that's his famous words grab that bag simple you're still virile (laughs) You'll not only have a sports talk radio show, but you'll also be on Boomer Radio. Yeah, <laughs> Boomer Radio. Yeah, hey, Baz, I was listening. Trixie canceled my series for some oh. reason. Yeah, and so <laughs> I, was, I just said, I'm going to make the best of a rough situation here. Um, and I, I, I scoured, scoured the radio, FM and AM, and came across Boomer Radio. It's, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, they play oldies, you know, you, as, okay. as you just ah, What's Trixie doing? Ah, I got to talk to her about it. Man, <laughs> you want me to talk to her? <laughs> Probably not. I'd um, love to talk to Trixie. <laughs> I'll stop. We'll stop there. We'll stop. Guys, 
You should try Spotify. You just Google them. They're in the news. Yeah. Oh. Any other uh, any other football we need to touch on here? Bless you. I think we're good, Bass. I think we need to. I think we need to hand the mic over to you. Let's do it. Let's talk a little hoops. Palmer, you want to talk some hoops? Huskers off the Schneid, seventy-eight sixty-five win over Minnesota last night, and in, in a inside a raucous Pinnacle Bank Arena where there were at least five thousand people, maybe. <laughs> um, led the whole way. Led by as many as twenty in the second half. Played, played pretty solid. Let's, let's just get this out the way at the top. Minnesota's not great. They didn't play very good last night. But uh, Nebraska had lost 19 consecutive games against power conference competition. 19, Palmer. You believe that? 15 straight against Big Ten teams. They're obviously 0-12 this year in the Big Ten. And, look, they, and they got embarrassed in their last game. Uh, against Northwestern at home. Uh, as bad as a performance as there's been under Fred Hoiberg since he started here a couple of years ago, three years, three years ago. So I didn't really know what to expect going into it. You know, it was a deal where I thought if Nebraska played hard, they would have a chance to win. But you don't always know if they're going to play hard. And if they didn't play hard, Minnesota could have come in here and had the same thing. Northwestern. You got it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right out of the shoot, uh, stealing a layup on Minnesota's first possession for Alonzo Verge. Second buckets, another turnover and a lob from Trey to Bryce McGowan's. They hit a three, then another lob from Trey to Bryce. All of a sudden, it's nine to two, like three minutes into the game, and you're going, "Whoa, okay." They kind of they showed up, and they were just they're really active. They forced 18 turnovers. Minnesota only averages nine turnovers a game, which is fourth in the country. Um, they had 12 at halftime, you know, and then they came out of the locker room, you know, after that after building that lead, and they extended the lead. You know, we saw Michigan. They went to the locker room up seven and a couple minutes into the second half, they're down 10. You know, it just, it, it evaporated like that. And that didn't happen last night. They, they came out on, on attack in the second half. They built the lead. It was a little sloppy the last couple minutes. Yeah. But Nebraska's cushion was such that it didn't really matter. And it was, it kind of gave you a glimpse of what it, what it can look like. And again, again, Minnesota's not great. Minnesota's two and 10 in the big 10, they've won one game uh, in 2022, which is the same number as Nebraska's won since the calendar turn. This wasn't a great team, but look, we've seen how Nebraska's played at times this year. That was, it was sorely needed. And they got, they got good for performances from their best players and, and got a much needed win here. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm not in the business of diminishing big 10 wins. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not going to, and it'd be really disingenuous for me to do it here because I thought going in, I mean, I said going in, it was possible that Minnesota's guards would outclass Nebraska's because that's the strength of Minnesota's team. And they did. Yeah. Verge was Verge really rose to the occasion. I thought Minnesota would have the best guard on the floor. And that night, Nebraska had it. Um, so I'm not – and they play tough. Minnesota's a tough team. I mean, they play tough. They play hard. They played, they played well with seven guys some of the time. And, but they're a tough-minded team. Yeah. Um, so I thought, I thought Nebraska would have its hands full. Um, and it really did. I mean, it, like you said, it led throughout. It got to seven. I thought that critical part of the game was, correct me if I'm wrong, but it got to seven and Burge was shooting free throws. He missed two. On the second, Nebraska got the offensive rebound and, and Wilcher, C.J. Wilcher, his step back three to push it to 10. And that was pretty much it at that point. Yeah. That that came at a critical time because Bryce McGowan's just picked up his third foul. Like, you know, he was on the bench. Nebraska wasn't playing great. It's eight points. 
you're missing free throws. And yeah, and then that happens and all of a sudden it's a 12-0 run and you lead by 12. You know, yeah. need to give credit to CJ Wilcher. I think he's shooting something like 48% from three-point range since January. Yeah, he's a, he came in billed as a pure shooter. And he, yeah. you, it's really evident. I mean, when, yeah, he's, if he gets a good look, he, he's in good shape. He, yeah, he's he been really a, he's has been a, a beautiful release. Beautiful release. It was – that game played out exactly how Nebraska needed it to. Like, they, they, they really needed to get off to a good start. They did that. They needed Nebraska – or they needed Minnesota to not play great. That happened. They forced turnovers and got out and ran. That happened. And then they extended in the second. If you were going to ask Fred Horberg how he was going to draw it up, uh, that's probably exactly what he would have told you. We need to start fast. We need to, we need to start fast out of the locker room at a halftime. We need to build that lead and not have to worry about hanging out in a tight game. That's exactly what they did. So now all of a sudden you, you kind of look at the schedule. They're at Iowa Super Bowl Sunday. Iowa's okay. You know, they've got – it's not a great Iowa team. It's a good Iowa team. They'll, they'll give Nebraska plenty of problems. But, look, the schedule's manageable. We've talked about it before. This isn't going to be Nebraska's last chance to win. They play like they did last night with that kind of effort. They're going to have a shot. And um, I got to grab my son here because he's running off. But, yeah, Nebraska, Nebraska, they needed a win badly. Obviously, they got one last night and they did exactly what they needed to do to get it. Iowa Sunday at 1 o'clock. That's Super Bowl Sunday. Then Maryland, not till the – then there's a five-day gap before they play Maryland at home. So those are the next two. Those are those are you know, I'm not going to start. I'm not going to start trying to predict games for Nebraska. I've been in, I've, I've been horrible in that count. I finally got one right last night. I thought I, I did think they'd win that game, but yeah. So why, why is there a five day gap between um, Iowa and Maryland? Is that just the way the schedule fell? That's just the way the yeah, schedule broke. The gap yeah, I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing. To other than nefarious. That. I mean, there's, there's nothing nefarious. Yeah, about that. there's nothing nefarious about a five-day break. <laughs> there's a there's a four-day break between Maryland and the Northwestern Road game after that. So it's just kind of that kind of one of those stretches. You know, that's the way it fell on the calendar. That's how it's going to work out. So, but, all right, baseball, I mean, baseball, baseball. Let's, let's switch to baseball. Season opener a week from tomorrow, a week from Friday. Down in lovely Huntsville, Texas, Sam Houston State, four-game series. We talked to Will Bolt yesterday, didn't we? We talked to Will yesterday, didn't we, Palmer? Yep. I don't know what that movie's making there is. What are you doing, Palmer? A little bit of a runny nose. It's that time of year. Starting to get tired, Um, as we all are. Um, Yeah. Um, Yeah, talked to Will yesterday. Talked to Kyle Perry. Talked to Griffin Everett, two of the captains. And you you saw it slip. It's just Will was Will was who Will is. You know, just has that air of confidence, carries himself in a certain way that 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 gives the that you know kind of commands respect, demands respect. Um, and he he likes his team. I think it's it it's going to be different. You know, it's I don't know that they have the stars they had last year. They don't have a Schwellenbach, and I don't know if they have a Povich. You all right there, bud? They don't have a Povich. You know, they don't have a Jackson Hallmark, one of those dudes, at least not yet. That's that's not just a total badass and is, is going to kind of set the tone. But I think they're a little deeper this year. He really likes their freshman class. Uh, there's going to be a couple of those freshmen that play right away. They really like their infield. Uh, they love the athleticism there, especially with guys like Bryce Matthews and Max Anderson. You're getting Colby Gomez back probably as probably your closer. You know, they, they've really liked his recovery from a shoulder injury. So I think they they feel like they're in a pretty good spot. They got to figure out the starting rotation. That's probably the biggest question mark here 
they should know more kind of after this weekend and kind of settle down. But they need to have four guys ready to go right out of the gate. They've got a four-game series uh, to start out the season. So you've got to get four guys ready. Yeah. And they've got some options. You know, Will said it a couple of weeks ago. They had about seven or eight guys they were looking at. So we'll see what it looks like kind of after this week. Yeah, so he said this weekend they will have scrimmages, plural. And he, he thought he'd settle that staff this weekend. Um, after this weekend, I'd say Monday – He'll know. He'll have a pretty good idea. If not, be ready to announce his staff. Yeah. Um, well, and, and you'll be over there with the radar gun over the weekend, so you'll have a pretty <laughs> good idea what it's going to look like. This will in be the separate. dugout. Will, will <laughs> I don't will know what Will, would, <laughs> what would will would say if I materialized in the dugout. Will would send Rob Childress over to just be on your <laughs> rear end, is what he would do. Um, so now, Baz, question: You would expect Kyle Perry to be one of those starters? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, probably Friday or Saturday. Um, and, and you listen to Kyle talk, and he's kind of he's very at ease with the media. He's funny. He's quick witted, but that dude's a competitor, man. Like we saw it last year. You know when they that that clincher against Arkansas, he started and he went out and shut them down, and, and it was it was really 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 impressive. That's a guy that came off Tommy John, hadn't pitched a lot, and you throw him out there in front of twelve thousand. Uh, 12,000 fans that were ready to celebrate, ready to go to a super regional. And, and Kyle did the job. It was just super impressive. He's probably the best. And I, I hate comparing guys because they're different guys. They're different people. They play different positions. He's kind of the, the Jackson hallmark of this team, I think. He's a tone setter. He's kind of got that attitude. And, and guys are going to follow him. He's a, he's a national leader, or a natural leader. So, um, yeah, I really like him at the front of that rotation. You know, a guy like uh, Shea Shanneman is going to be uh, in competition for that. You know, I, we'll see about some of these younger guys like like Drew Crystal, but Mason Ornelas, the Texas A&M transfer, is going to be in line for maybe one of those spots. Dawson McCarville, the Grand Canyon transfer. They've got some options there, no doubt about it. But, yeah, Kyle Perry, I think, is kind of the guy right now at the front of that rotation. So it's going to be really interesting. To see. It's, it's an absolute disaster around here right now, in case you didn't notice. Now, here's yeah, the deal. There's probably someone breaking into your house right now. So you there's probably there's, there are people in my house right now. I don't even know. Them. They're, they're this is going to be, val- this be valuable right information for LPD when they come to investigate. That's literally the first time Gus has made any noise all day. Was just right now. <laughs> okay, Stay he's a big fan them. of Mason or Nealis. Stay with the baseball Mason theme. I don't think people understand that, that Colby Gomez who's a, a, a big reliever uh, through about 95, 97 in 2019, but hasn't been on this, hasn't pitched since 2019. Um, pitched a little bit in 20. He started for in the pandemic year. Pitched, oh, pitched did, he, did he appear? Yeah. yeah, he was a starter for him. Um, didn't throw a ton, but again, they only played 12 games or whatever it was. So yeah. He so hasn't played or hasn't pitched for any it's, sustained period since 2019, you, but he's, he could be their closer. I mean, that could be your a major you listen, Go ahead, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you listen to Will talk about Colby Gomez, and it's it's pretty clear that Colby Gomez came back from some stuff. Um, and, and Will almost almost gets emotional talking about, you know, just what he's dealt with. And how he, he was – look, he was a freshman All-American, and, and – kind of had it figured out really, really good athlete, natural. And then just had it taken away. Couldn't pitch last year in a really good team, you know, and, and 
had this injury, this shoulder surgery, and I was questioning a lot of what he was doing, how it was going to look going forward. But Will, I was talking to Will yesterday after his after his podium appearance, and they got him in throwing bullpens in the fall, and he's up to ninety three. You know, he's he's reaching back to get to ninety three, and they're kind of going, "Oh, okay, okay, he's he's getting." It. And now now he's sitting ninety three. He's touching ninety five. You know, he's kind of almost back to where he was pre injury. It's going to be really interesting to talk to Colby when we get a chance to do that. But he's because he's another one of those guys. It's kind of like Kyle Perry. He's just a competitor. He's a dog, you know, and, and yes. Will has the famous quote from, from last year at the regional, you, you need to have that dog in you and, and you can't be afraid. You can't, you gotta be ready for the throwdown. And Colby's one of those guys, you know, he's no nonsense, no frills. He's going to go out there and attack you. So if they have him, if you, if you got Will in a private moment, he'd probably tell you it was like picking up a free agent. Cause they, I think they got to, they, they know what they got with him and, and he's got a chance to be really, really good. Oh uh, man. And having that guy in the back, that's oh, a yeah. gigantic. It's well, look at, look at last year. Look at Spencer Schwalmbach last year. Mm-hmm. You know, teams couldn't touch him at the end of that, at the end of games. So, yeah, if, if he's able to stay healthy, yeah, I'm not saying he's Spencer Schwalmbach, but he can play some first base for him. Uh, they're probably going to have him hit a little bit and you have him close. And, and you tell the six foot five, 230 pound dude to go out there and throw gas for an inning. That's, that's a pretty good place to start for your closer. So I think, I think they're in a pretty good spot right now. Now you got to go play the games and see how it looks, but that it's, it's going to be really, really, really fascinating to, to watch this team come together. Cause they got yeah. a chance again. To right the, top the other thing he said that caught my eye or caught my attention um, was he, he likes the power up and down the lineup. They're hitting more homers than fast. We haven't yeah. always seen that in recent years. The Erstad no. teams were Erstad teams. Didn't weren't really like that. Anderson's teams. No, not the end. Um, you didn't have a lot of that. So even last year, they didn't have a ton of it. Yeah. He you said, guys that can do the lineup, there's guys that can gap power guys, you know? Yeah. And, and, well, he said it, you said, we're, we're hitting more home runs in practice and, and look, you can't, you can't rely on the home run, obviously. And, and Nebraska's offense was just fine last year, the, the way it operated. Uh, they want to be able to do everything. They want to be able to, to hit for power. They want to be able to bunt, move runners, uh, you know, hit and run, all those sorts of things. They want to be able to do a little bit of everything. But if they've got a little more power um, up and down the lineup, that's certainly not going to hurt them. And it's certainly not going to hurt them when you get in the Big Ten play and you get in a regional play. You know, when you're in a you're in a tournament situation, you're facing a tired pitching staff, and you're sending up a bunch of guys that can that are threats to hit the long ball. Pretty good spot. So again. Some of these guys are going to have to prove themselves. A lot of these guys that are going to play, we probably haven't seen a whole lot of uh, before this year. So it's there's a for a team that won the Big Ten and returns a decent amount of, of guys. There's plenty of questions about how it's going to look, but it seems it sure seems promising right now. Who's the three hole hitter? Would that be Anderson? Sounds like they're going to move Max Anderson up. Uh, they want to get he batted five hole last year, but they want to get him batting in the first inning. So probably he'll probably stick him in the two or the three hole. Uh, Bryce Matthews is another candidate to be in one of those spots. He's got real, real power. Uh, he's a lot stronger this year. You know, he showed some good power last year. I think the Maryland game, he had two or three home runs and he's another one of the warning track. You know, he's, he's got that kind of power. So those two guys are going to be in the middle of your lineup. Remains to be seen who the table setter is going to be. I think that's kind of an unknown spot, but you've got some proven bats you can put in the middle of that lineup. Cam Chick, Cam Chick is in that conversation. Cam Chick's got some pop up from the left side. Yeah, he'll play outfield. Um, they they really like him in the outfield. I don't think they want to mess with him there just because they're going to be replacing you know so much of what they had in the outfield last year. So you can put him out there and trust him. You can trust his bat. 
you know, and then, you know, it, it, you start looking. Griffin Everett is a guy that I think could take a step forward at the plate this year. He hit 280 last year, but flashed a little bit of power. You know, Leighton Banjoff, a guy that was injured last year, is a guy that's got a little bit of pop. You know, they, they've got some guys that they really like, but it's just a matter of now you got to go out and, and do it without the, the, the safety net of what you had around you last year, too. Do I, is it, is it getting ahead of ourselves to say who's, who are the, like, who would be the top two or three teams in the Big Ten? Well, Nebraska is going to be the preseason favorite, no doubt. Um, they're the only team that's been ranked in the preseason national polls. Um, Michigan, you know, will be there. Indiana is going to be there. Um, Ohio State has really, really good pitching. I think they're going to be right there. Those are probably your top four-ish, you know, I would say. But Nebraska is going to be the favorite. And I, they might be the overwhelming favorite when, when we see – not, not, there's not an official preseason Big Ten poll or anything. And even last year, Nebraska wasn't picked on the top six of last year's preseason poll, and they won the conference by four and a half games. So there's probably a team we're not even talking about. But it's going to be Nebraska, and it's going to be a lot of teams chasing Nebraska. So they're going to have that target on their back this year for sure. All right, next week. So it starts Friday, four-game series at Sam Houston State in Huntsville, Texas. And I don't know where Huntsville is. You know, is yeah, I can, I can, I can get that for you here. Hang on. Oh yeah. So, you can Google that. That's Google. That's Google. We can Google that. Let's put it in the Google machine and see what we come up with here. I looked it up Huntsville. once already. Uh, it's home of the Texas prison museum, uh, Huntsville, okay. Texas. Nice. Yeah. Is that like East, uh, it's, East Texas? It's straight North of Houston, probably, I don't know, hour, hour and a half straight North of Houston. Who down there. It's down so, there. Yeah. Yeah. Don't it's, get uh, it's kind of weather. Kind of like Houston College Station and, and Huntsville kind of form a little triangle. Oh, hello. Okay, good. There you good. go. Yeah. Thank you. And look, they that's a good that's a good program. Uh they get guys, obviously being in Texas, they get guys, but they've been a consistent regional team. They made a super regional a couple of years ago. Like that's gonna be a good test right out of the gate for, for Nebraska. So that, that that's a good matchup for the season. All right. I think we can there it is. find it up there. That went, that went well, I think, on my end. I don't know why you guys struggled so much. But everything went pretty smoothly here. So maybe next time you guys can get your crap together when, when, when we do this. It's funny because I just now noticed that mask. It's weird. Uh, yeah, I, again, yeah, I, forgot, yeah. I didn't even know you had one on. Yeah, yeah. Forgot, for folks that haven't seen it, I'm wearing a mask right now in my own home because I had COVID last week. And I have a young son who I'm trying not to get sick. So... My young son is currently like pulling books off a bookshelf off to my left here. The best part about this people in your home, right? When we were getting into the, into the, into depth of what you were talking about, he was pulling at the, yeah, he he had his, he had his fingers. President immediately stick his fingers in his mouth after doing that. Here he is again. Say goodbye to the people, Palmer.